Hey, good morning, everyone. Look at your neighbor and just say, good morning. All right. It is a good morning. Can we say it's a good morning? That was pretty weak, guys. That was pretty weak, 9 o'clock crowd. So glad to see each and every one of you here this morning. Uh, we are in a series looking at the Old Testament book of Ruth, and we are spending quite a few weeks looking at this story, diving into this story. And today we're going to look at decisions. When there's a fork in the road and you need to make a decision. And this is what we're going to see in the book of Ruth today, this this just dramatic decision that Ruth had to make in her life. And my prayer for you this morning is that your decision to follow Christ would be the most important decision that you have ever made or will make in your life. How how many of you have ever had a decision before? You had these two things that you had to choose between and you had just just this decision to make and how hard it is. I, I this is kind of silly, but but over the summer we went hiking. We were up in the Adirondacks, and um, I told Kathleen, "Hey, let's take this one hike." And in this hike, there is actually a fork in the trail. One goes shorter. It's a shorter trail, but it's a little harder hike, a little steeper hike. And the other one is a longer trail. And she says, "Well, how much is the longer longer trail?" Which seemed which supposedly was easier. Um, and I said, well, I don't think it'll take that much longer. I think if we hustle a little bit, it won't take that much longer. And the other trail is about an hour uh, round trip hike. And I said, I don't think it's maybe half an hour longer, four hours later. Um, and Kathleen never talked to me the rest of the vacation. But anyways, it was a really fun hike, especially on the way back. That was just the most silence I've ever heard in all my life. But it was fun. We had a good, we had a good, we had a really, really a good time. Um, but sometimes we need to realize in our lives that we're going to ha- have these choices. And, and as we've been studying the book of Ruth, we understand that, that Ruth, Ruth lived in a very difficult time. It, it was called the time of Judges. It's actually a book called the book of Judges. And we can't overlook this important detail. This is a time when Israel was very disorganized politically, had no real leader. It was a time of spiritual apathy and violence. Um, we know that Ruth lost her husband, and basically that left her destitute. She had no children. Um, her mother-in-law, Naomi, lost her husband and her two sons, and she had no other option, Naomi, but to go back to her homeland. So here's the choice. Naomi has these two daughter-in-laws, Orpah and Ruth. They both, everyone has no husband. They have no children. And so there's basically this choice. There's this huge fork in the road. There's this huge fork in the road for Ruth. Does she go back to her people? She's not an Israelite. She's from Moab, as with Orpah. Are they going to go back to their people and their homeland where the prospects are better to find a husband and to get married and have children? Or do they follow Naomi back to Bethlehem where there's probably absolutely no prospects for Ruth being an outsider, being a foreigner, in that part of the world. And she's like, well, what do I do? And so the road that Naomi is going on really has no prospect. She's just basically going back to her homeland to try to find relatives, to try to have an existence in her life. And so Naomi basically tells her two daughter-in-laws, listen, go back home. I'm I'm not going to put any guilt trip on you. I'm not going to shame you. Go back to your homeland. And in fact, she tells them to go back to their mother's house. 
Now, this is interesting if you read the first chapter of Ruth. This is interesting that she uses the mother's house because this phrase, normally you would hear the phrase, go back to your father's house. So this phrase, go back to your mother's house, is so scarce in the Bible. You will hardly ever hear it used. The meaning is that the mother was vital for preparing her daughter for marriage and becoming a mother. And so basically what Naomi is saying is go back to your homeland, go back to your mother's house so you can find a husband and have children. Don't follow me. Don't go down this road. And so Naomi uh, assumes her daughter-in-laws would remarry and have children in their homeland. Naomi wants the best for them. And she understands how kind her daughter-in-laws have been to her and how they've stayed with her. When their husbands died, they didn't leave right away. They stayed with their mother-in-law. And so what Naomi does is she gives them this freedom and doesn't condemn them for not going with her if they choose not to follow her. Now, I want you to listen to Naomi's heart and Ruth's response as we look at the first chapter of Ruth. And we're going to look at verses 11 through 18. So let's look at this dialogue between Ruth and Naomi. And it listen, this is so incredible and this so connects us to the gospel message in our relationship with Jesus. And that's where we're going to land on this morning. So let's start with verse 11. It says, but Naomi replied, why should you go with me? I mean, she's telling them, listen, I'm going to, I'm going to be honest with you. Here's, here's what it, here's what it is. Can I still give birth to other sons who could grow up and to be your husbands? No, my daughters return to your parents' home for I am too old to be married again. And even if it were possible, and if I were to get married tonight and bear sons, then what? Would you wait for them to grow up and refuse to marry someone else? No, of course not, my daughters. Things are far more bitter for me than for you. And you can see the despair in Naomi's voice because the Lord himself has raised his fist against me. She feels like the Lord is against her, which isn't true, but that's how she feels. And again, they wept together, and Orpah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye. And so Orpah leaves. She goes back to her country and her gods. But Ruth, everybody say, but Ruth. But Ruth clung tightly to Naomi. She clung on to her. She wouldn't leave her side. And she said, look, Naomi said to her, listen, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods you should do the same. So as, as, as Ruth is clinging on to Naomi, she still tells her, listen, Orpah has left. You can still go if you want to. And listen to Ruth's reply. Incredible. She says, don't ask me to leave you or turn back. Wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you live, I will live. I don't know why these words get me every time. It's just so powerful. She says, your people will be my people, and your God will be my God. Wherever you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. May the Lord punish me severely if I allow anything but death to separate us. And when Naomi saw that Ruth was determined to go with her, she said nothing more. Do you see the commitment that Ruth has here? She's going to follow her to the end. I remember early on in my married life with Kathleen, we had a decision to make. Um, we were in Albany. Our first place of ministry was in Albany, New York. And 
And uh, we felt like the Lord was leading us on, and there was a position that opened in, in, in Charleston, South Carolina. And um, so we went down, we visited the church, and and we're flying back, and and we're not sure this is a big move for us. It's far away from, you know, we're both from Rochester, and Albany wasn't that far from Rochester. And we're on the plane, and it's just such a big, big move for us. And, uh, you know, moving away from our families and and. It was just so hard. And I felt like the Lord was impressing me, like, I think we should move. I think this this is the right thing. And Kathleen wasn't so sure at the time. And I remember sitting on a plane as we were flying back from Charleston, South Carolina, back to Albany. And I looked at Kathleen. I went, I'm not sure, I'm not sure. And I remember Kathleen looked at me. She goes, I'm not sure, Barton. But she goes, I'll go where you go. I never forgot that. She says, I'm not sure, but I'll go where you go. And for there, we were at that church, beautiful church, for eight years. And then God led us again. And this time, he led us back to Rochester. And I asked Kathleen, what do you think? And she, and of course, we're moving back to family. She goes, no, I think we should go. <laughs> she wanted to come back to Rochester. So listen, there are going to be choices in your life that are going to be difficult. And you are here today by the choices you made. I want you to think for that a moment. You are here today by the choices you made. And there are times we make good choices. Amen? Right? And then there are times that we make poor choices. Amen? We all do it. Every single one of us are in in the same boat. Our choices shape who we are. Our choices shape who we are. And at first glance, Ruth's choice to follow Naomi would seem disastrous. It just seemed like, what what choice are you making here? You see, the road of Naomi was a road with no prospects for Ruth. None. None. And so Ruth's decision would determine the rest of her life. Ruth's decision would determine the rest of her life. And so what Ruth does is she takes the road of complete faith. This is interesting. And we're going to see how this connects with our relationship with Christ. She doesn't say, okay, I'll follow you, and then I'll see what happens. I'll just kind of put my toe in the water a little bit, and then if it doesn't work out, I'll go, I'll go back to my home. Listen to what she says. She's going to follow Naomi to the end. To the end. She says, where you go, I'll go. Your God will be my God. Where you die, I will die. She's following her. This is a complete act of faith. You see, Ruth doesn't follow Naomi haphazardly. What she does here is she counts the cost. She knows exactly what she's doing. She has counted the cost. So what does she do? Well, she clung to Naomi and she wouldn't let go. Now, not literally she was clinging to Naomi, but, but the word is, is a deeper word that means intimacy. Like she, she was holding on to Naomi, both physically, and she was going to hold on to Naomi and the choices that she made to follow her, a commitment. But even at that, as she's clinging to her, as she's holding on to her, Naomi says, look, Listen, I know you're clinging on to me, you're holding on to me, but but Orpah just left. You could probably still catch her. Weren't you on the cross-country team? You're a fast runner. You could still catch her. Even at that moment, even at that moment, 
Naomi is still giving her an out, giving her an out. However, Ruth doesn't move. She completely abandons herself to Naomi. And this is where she says, your God will be my God. Where you live, I will live. Where you die, I will die. Ruth knows that going back would mean going back to her gods. She doesn't choose that. She chooses the God of Naomi. She doesn't want her gods. She wants the God of Naomi. Ruth gave up everything to follow Naomi. She gave up her life to follow God. And so what Ruth does is Ruth gave up what was familiar to her. She gave up her way and her will to follow God. Man, I want you to look at this for just a moment. Ruth gave up what was familiar to her. There was a cost. She could have taken the easiest road, the one that probably would have benefited her the most, but she gave up what was familiar to her and gave up her way and her will, completely abandoning it to follow the God of Naomi. That is a perfect picture of how we come to Christ. It's not a haphazard. It's not partial, half-hearted. Jesus says, I want all of you. And this is the commitment that we see in the heart of Ruth. And see, and this is where I want to plug it into our relationship with Jesus. This is where I want to plug it in. Now, this isn't going to be a long message. Everybody say amen. <laughs> no, don't say amen. But what I want to do, what, here's, I want to leave some time at the end of our message at the end of the mess, end of the service, as we take communion together and to really understand the commitment that we make to Christ. Now, you may be here today and you say, Pastor, I'm I'm committed follower of Jesus. I've been following for years. Maybe you're here today and say, well, I'm kind of a little bit wishy-washy, Pastor. I'm not fully in, but I do believe in Jesus. And maybe you're here and you're like, I, I have to be honest with them, really not a follower of Jesus. And I, and I want to, what I want to encourage you here today is that when you dive fully into a relationship with Christ, that's where the joy and the freedom comes. You see, where the turmoil comes in our heart is when our hearts are half-hearted in our relationship with God. And to really find the blessings of God and to find the joy that you're looking for in your life, Jesus says, I need followers that are fully committed to follow me. Not just on Sunday, not when you feel like it, but every single day that you're committed to follow me, that you're committed to follow me when things don't go your way. That you're fully committed to follow me when you suffer. That you're fully committed to follow me when the world is against you and against what you believe and what you follow in the word of God and the stand that you make in the word of God when the, when the world looks upon you and the tide of public opinion goes against us, will we still follow Jesus? And will we follow him with grace and mercy and love and sacrifice? Or will we be half-hearted followers of Jesus? And that's not what Jesus calls us to do. He doesn't want casual followers of him. You see, Ruth was at a crossroads. Do I go back or do I give up everything to follow God? And what she did and what every single one of us need to do is when we become committed followers of Jesus, she counted the cost and made her decision to follow Naomi and her God. And this is a beautiful picture that we see in our decision to follow Jesus Christ. Listen, 
your decision to follow Jesus Christ should be the hardest decision that you have ever made in your life. It's an, if it's an easy decision for you, then there's something wrong because you haven't counted the cost. And Jesus even told his followers that in this world you will have tribulation. It is, it is going to be difficult, but take heart, I've overcome the world for you. He never promised the followers of, G, of Jesus that everything would be perfect and hunky-dory and everything would smell like potpourri, amen? He never promised us that. But what he did promise us is, I will always be with you, and I will always walk with you, and I will never leave you or forsake you. If you hold on to my words, and if you trust me, I will be with you. I will give you my Holy Spirit to be your guide, to give you power for living every single day. And so she counted the cost and made a decision to follow Naomi and her God. What a beautiful picture we hear. Listen to the words of Jesus as he calls us to follow him. Because this parallels exactly what Ruth was doing here in, in chapter 1. Matthew 16, 24, Jesus says to his disciples, if any one of you want to be my followers, just go to church once a week, give a couple bucks in the offering, and that's good. What does he say? If any of you want to be my followers, you must give up your ways and take up your cross and follow me. And what the word means, take up your cross, it means to deny yourself, just like Ruth did, to deny yourself and your desires and what you want. To lay those things down and to cling to Jesus and say, Jesus, where you go, I will go. Where you go, I will go. And I will listen to you. And it may not be easy. To the world, it may seem like a dumb choice. But to those who follow Jesus, it's a choice of eternal life that Jesus offers everyone who follows him. John 10, 27, Jesus says, My sheep listen to my voice, and I know them. And they follow me. And it's not easy to listen to the voice of God, to listen to the word of God, to go against the tide of public opinion. And we are in the midst of a tsunami of public opinion that flies in the face of what the word of God tells us is true. It is getting more and more difficult. Can I get an amen? And the more and more difficult it, it, it is, the more and more we've got to strive to know God's will and to be walking before him and saying, God, I need your grace and your love, not hate, not resentment, but love. And I need your grace so that we can stand firm and not allow the tide of public opinion, uh, of opinion to sway us from what God's word says. But God says, I will be with you. Jesus says, I'm going to be with you to the end. Notice what Jesus is calling us to. In his very words, he's not calling us to be just church goers, which is fine. We need to come to church. We worship. We center God's uh, teaching and his word. Those are all fine, but this isn't what he calls us. He calls us to discipleship. Discipleship is an everyday pursuit that you have made up your mind to say, I have decided to follow Jesus. 
I'm going to dig into his word. I'm going to listen to what he says for me. And even though this may go against against the tide of public opinion, I'm going to put my flag in the ground. I'm going to put my stake in the ground and say, Jesus, I'm going to follow you even though no one else will. That's a disciple of Jesus. That's what he's calling us to. It's not a casual calling. It's not if it's convenient, if it fits in your day timer. He says, you've got to wipe all that stuff out. It's a commitment. It's not a casual calling. The decision to follow Jesus is not an easy decision. If it were, it wouldn't cost you anything. It reminds me of a song we used to sing called, I Have Decided to Follow Jesus. Remember that song? Billy Graham uh, would, would sing this song many times at the end of his crusades. And it was a beautiful sight when you would hear the song, I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back, no turning back. And you would see hundreds of people, if not thousands, come forward at so many Billy Graham crusades of people turning their hearts over to Jesus Christ. It was a beautiful, beautiful sight to behold. And the song says, Though none go with me, I still will follow. Though none go with me, I still will follow. No turning back, no turning back. My cross I'll carry till I see Jesus. My cross I'll carry till I see Jesus. No turning back, no turning back. The world behind me, the cross before me, the world behind me, the cross before me. No turning back. No turning back. Do you know there's a story behind that song, I Have Decided to Follow Jesus? I want to show that story to you. Incredible story of someone who risked their life to share the gospel in an area of the world that was unreached, a hostile place that was unreached with the gospel, but someone who gave their heart to Jesus in another part of the world felt called to go to this other part of the world to share Jesus with this group of people who never heard the gospel. I want you to look up at the screens and watch this. There's a a story that I heard. um, We're starting in the January a a discipleship. I'm really excited about this. uh, A discipleship course called Rooted. It's a a 10-week course that we're going to really unveil to the church at the beginning of the year. I want you to be part of that and growing in your relationship with the Lord and not not just a casual Christian, but one that calls themselves a disciple who who purposes in their heart to follow Jesus every single day and to continue to grow in him. And there's a story within uh, this discipleship uh, uh, ministry uh, that I read and one of the devotions, a true story that a pastor shares, and he's a pastor of the church of Gaba Community Church in Uganda, and he shares a story of Idi Amin when he ruled Uganda in the late 70s. And if you know anything about Idi Amin, he was a dictator, he was ruthless, and he did not want any Christians in his country, and so he began to persecute believers, not only persecute them, 
but began to kill him. This is a modern day persecution of those who call themselves followers of Jesus. And this pastor, Pastor Peter of Gaba Community Church, shares a story of an older woman in his church who was there when soldiers from Amin's army came and began to arrest people within their church while they were having church one Sunday morning. And she goes, it was a horrible sight. And the soldiers came in, they began to arrest people. Some people got away, but many people were arrested and thrown in prison. And she goes, what happened after that is the church continued to meet. The church continued to meet under severe persecution. But Amin didn't stop there. He had his vice president who was going to be in charge of killing these Christians, those that were imprisoned. And his vice president was on a trip one day and he was, in, he was in a car and he got a horrible, horrible car accident, almost died. And so the government was, was uh, attending to this vice president. And meanwhile, those that were in charge of the prison, the director of the prison, didn't know what to do with all these Christians. So he didn't hear from the central government. So he just let them go. He let all these Christians go. And so they they went back home. And from that point on, they began to meet underground as the church, as this severe persecution was going on towards the Christians. Well, eventually, uh, Amin was disthroned from his dictatorship. And what they found out is Christians were able to worship again. They found out that that church, that that woman attended when she was young, was about 50 people when they went into underground as being an underground church. And after Amin was ousted out of his dictatorship, they found out that same church grew from 50 to 400 people while they were an underground church. Can we thank God for that? Under extreme persecution, that church grew. They have decided to follow Jesus. Let me ask you a question this morning. I'm not asking you if you're a Christian. I'm asking you, are you a disciple? Are you a disciple of Jesus? Are you actively pursuing him? This is where the blessings come. This is where the joy comes when we make that decision to truly commit our hearts to him and to follow him. I'm not asking you what you were brought up. I'm not asking you what religious circle you were brought up or that's that's not jesus doesn't ask ask us that question he asks us the question are you my disciples have you decided to follow me and so we're going to pray and we're going to commit our hearts to him and we're going to do our best as a church to help you in your walk with the lord and i'm praying for this january when we unleash these rooted discipleship Uh, these discipleship small groups that you would make a commitment that you would say, Pastor, I'm going to begin to really actively pursue my discipleship with Jesus. And some of you just say, I just need help in doing that. Well, we want to help you as a church so that your commitment to him would be a strong one. Listen, we're going to need deeper and deeper roots and we're going to need to know what we believe and why we believe it more and more as we live in these last days. And I believe in these last days, everything is going to be thrown at us to try to uproot what we believe in Christ Jesus. And so we need to have deep roots. We need to have each other. We need to pray for each other. We need to know what God's word has to say about these things. Amen. We're going to need it more and more. And so my prayer for you is that your commitment to Christ would grow more and more and more and your commitment to him would grow more and more in him.
And so we're going to pray and we're going to take communion today and we're going to commit our hearts to him. I want you to remember as you take communion, Jesus says, do this in remembrance of me for the sacrifice that I paid for you. His sacrifice was his life to purchase our forgiveness. So as we do that today, I want you to know how much Jesus loves you and what he sacrificed for you. And yeah, if you didn't get, because you're like, we took communion last week, Pastor. If you didn't get one, uh, Tom's at the back. He's got some communion cups. Feel free to go in the back and and get your communion cup if you need to. Um, But I want to pray for you as we take communion today. Let's commit our hearts to Jesus once again and realize the freedoms that we have in America still to worship him in freedom. Amen. We have a lot to be grateful for, so let's not take that for granted. And let us never stop praying for the persecuted church around the world, for those that don't have the same freedoms that you and I have. So, Father God, we come before you today and we ask for your help today. I pray for anyone here who has not taken that step to truly commit their hearts to you. I thank you that you receive us, that you forgive us when we bow our hearts towards you. And I pray for anyone who is in that position. And I pray for all of us that our commitment to you would grow. That as we take communion today, we would remember your beautiful sacrifice for us. That it was through your blood that we could find forgiveness of our sin and our waywardness. Thank you for that, Jesus. We believe, Jesus, you are the only way. We believe that you are the Son of God that no one can approach our Heavenly Father except through Christ Jesus because He is the only one that has offered Himself, who was God, who offered Himself for the penalty of our sins. So thank you for what you've done for us. We love you, we praise you, and we thank you. And we ask these things in your precious name. Amen. Amen. I want you to take out your communion cups and And let's take communion together today. You can take the wafer out and then uh, just you can take the next foil. We'll unveil the grape juice. And I want you to hold these emblems in your hand and just be reminded of what Jesus did for you and how much he loves you and, 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 and what he gave for you. So, Lord, thank you for your bread. Thank you for this bread that symbolizes your body. And thank you for this cup that symbolizes your precious blood that was given for us. As we partake of this, I pray that you would unify us through your Son. Make us one, God. Help us to stand with each other, to pray for each other, to walk this walk together in you, Jesus, in your precious name. Amen. Amen. Let's partake of the bread together. Amen. And let's partake of the cup together and thank the Lord. Amen. 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 Would you stand with me? We're just, if you're able, we're going to just close in song today and just thank God for what he's done for us. Can we just thank the Lord this morning? Can we give him praise this morning and just thank him for his word this morning? Amen. Amen.